Culture and Psychology with Tabana. very warm hello to our Radio Bombdot listeners. I'm sitting with Dr. Alexandrati and Dr. Daniel Rockers. And today we decided to talk about defining mindset. Um, in the past, we have talked a few times about mindset, uh, about growth mindset, fixed mindset, um, positive, negative, and all different variation of mindset. Today, we want to start our conversation regarding defining mindset. And when we said defining mindset, what do we mean by that? So I want to hand it to my colleagues and my friends. uh, And either one, it would be appreciated if you just chime in and and say your definition of defining mindset. This is Dr. Alex Andrade jumping in uh, as my colleagues look at me, that, that, that urging look to like, go say something. So I think the mindset right now is I need to say something. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> I think mindset, it's, it reminds me of the idea of like being meta or metacognitive in that way of being reflective of our thoughts. And so with mindset, one of the first things is that I usually reflect on is like, how do we see the world? How do we see a different how do we see different topics or different aspects of life? And how do we come aware of that in a way where not always necessarily needing to change it, but recognizing how it can impact and influence things. For example, uh, if we have kind of maybe a, a harsh or critical mindset when it comes to certain uh, topics, certain ideas, we're going to probably respond kind of harshly or negatively, where if we have a more open mindset or a positive mindset, we're going to come with a little bit more curiosity, a little bit more uh, compassion. So even just being aware of what mindset is, as far as how we see things or how we make sense of things, as well as even, you know, is, is that skewed one way? Is that negatively? Is that kind of harshly? Are we even... A dismissive dude is our mindset being like, oh, that's not something I care about. Uh, so that's what I think of when I think of mindset. Uh, what about the two of you? What, how would you describe mindset to somebody? I'm wondering if this is Dr. Rockers. Um, it is Dr. Rockers. If you're wondering, it's Dr. Rockers. It following is. Following Dr. <laughs> well, I kind of liked how you introduced yourself there. And I thought, you know, I need to be doing that too. Because you Welcome. Welcome, Dr. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're here. Are, are you saying I am welcome on this show? Is that the deal? Well, you said I'm wondering, Dr. Rockers. And, and so, yeah, uh, yeah, it merged together. All right. You are Dr. Rockers. Uh, this oh, is Dr. Yeah. Rockers. I'm, oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's early on uh, Saturday morning, right? So yeah, yeah. trying to get it together here. <laughs> My wondering is this. When we talk about mindset, are we talking about attitudes? Are we talking about beliefs? Are we talking about personality? I think all of that. Because to me, now that's a good question, Dr. Rockers. All of that, I think combination of it um, just builds our mindset um, and construct our mindset. Uh, and I want to go back to what Dr. Andrade was saying when you said negatively skewed or positively skewed. I know our listeners probably don't know about this um, vocabulary. What do we mean when it's skewed negatively? That means all our mindset is towards negative. And if we put it in a 
normal curve. It's more on the left side of the curve. Is that what you meant? Rather than being uh, in the middle. Yeah, kind of, which think is, of one, one extreme or the other sometimes. Yeah, so. yeah. So Dr. Rockers, back to you. Yes, it's all about... I, this is what I believe that is your attitude, your personality, your worldview, all of that creates your mindset. Probably our, our tendencies to interpret in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Because they're all hand in hand. Your attitude builds your outlook to life. And then um, the way you see things positively or negatively goes back to your attitude and then uh, your mindset in general is how you interpret things. And then how do you behave in the world? So it includes behaviors too, or probably mm-hmm. tends to drive our behaviors, I would think. I would think so. Yes. Yeah. I think it's one of those terms like perspective. It's like, what, is, what does that mean when we say mm-hmm. perspective or mindset? Yeah. And, yeah, I agree with what the, both of you said. There are a lot of aspects of that that contribute mm-hmm. or add to one's mindset in that. Sorry. And I was just, yeah. And I was just thinking even your upbringing, because that also it has been your environment and you have learned also. So it's, it's just also learning part of that too. It's not just you interpreting um, because then what makes you as a person is combination of all of that. So also, I was just thinking, if you are in a family that they always interpret things in a way that it's more logical, it's more, you know, not that emotional. So it's just combination, all of that, that makes your mindset. There's a real challenge in understanding our own mindset. And that is, it's like, when I'm in the environment all the time, I don't really notice that there are other ways that much. In other words, there are a lot of people who have, I've been around a lot of people who are very critical mindset, but if you ask them about it, if you thought, if they think they're critical, they would say, they would say they were not. And they may interpret it in a lot of ways. They may not even see it at all, or they may interpret it as being logical or They may interpret as being a realistic person. So there are a lot of ways that either it can be ignored or that it can be redefined and repackaged so that it is more palatable to the person. That is true. But they may also, uh, when you put them on the spot and ask them, they sometimes may not truly uh, share their mindset and they may just say, no, this is not what I meant. If they know you were a bothered by that so who knows but um, that is true because sometimes we see things from different eyes and um, our interpretation is different than how the others interpret things or comprehend it and I mean all of that I was thinking in regards to mindset sometimes we'll think of uh, some terms sometimes we hear some uh, in regards to somebody's mindset is there optimistic or pessimistic? And so that, uh, as I was describing earlier, that optimistic is maybe somebody who's more open, who's looking at things a little bit more positively or as possibilities versus maybe more pessimistic would be looking at things kind of maybe more harshly or negatively kind of 
like we were saying, kind of a, a maybe a critical or harsh mindset in that way. They're almost expecting things to be bad or wrong or challenging in some way. So not to further confuse the listener by, you know, how difficult, you know, how many pieces there are associated with mindset, but I think that's what it is. We could probably ask 10 different people, how would you describe mindset? We probably get 10 different answers with some of these overlapping things, just as we've mentioned right now. You know, a lot of times we think about open mindset being positive and curious. My question is this, do you think we can have, one can have a negative mindset or a critical mindset and be curious at the same time? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think curiosity is really something separate from negative or positive because by curiosity, you're trying to learn, you're trying to just um, see what's going on, you know? So it's more um, a part of a person that's seeking more information. I see it separate. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I don't know why I had to reflect on the definition too of a, a null hypothesis in research. And that's that, I don't know why, that, seriously, that's what came into my mind right now. I'm not trying to sound smart at all, <laughs> but it, it, it reminded me the idea that like a null hypothesis, we know what the, the word null is, like nothing really, uh, or no effect. Uh, where, Yeah, no difference where hypothesis is this idea. And so a null hypothesis is like, no, I don't think there's going to be a difference. You know, and that could sound probably very negative, but that's an important part of research sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to include that in our exploration. So, and I remember that because I remember I was like, well, that's just saying nothing. Like to say a no hypothesis and nothing's going to happen. Like I remember feeling like that's so negative or so optimistic, but I think it's one of those things we have to include that idea. Could nothing come from what I'm examining or what I'm researching? I think and, you should uh, go just a step further for our listeners, Alex, and describe what is a null hypothesis? Why do we have a null hypothesis when we're doing research? What? Yeah, so the other side of that would be the hypothesis that something is uh, affected a certain way. They're, usually with the hypothesis, you're saying, you know, this will affect this. You know, how much we exercise will affect our mood, for example. And so that's my hypothesis. Where a null hypothesis is that, well, no, that's not going to affect it. And, and again, that no, I think a lot of times we just even hear the word no, and that feels very negative in that way. And we can think, no, that's, that's not a helpful mindset to have. But in research, you have to say, well, that's a possibility too. There's a possibility that something will happen. There's a possibility that nothing will happen, or there won't be a significant difference between but then these the things. Interesting part uh, in uh, extension of what you said, null hypothesis, um, it's uh, interesting because either you retain it or you reject it. And then if you retain it, what happens? If you reject it, what happens? It's very interesting. And then if you say it's going to happen and it's not null, again, you reject it or you retain it. And then based on that, again, other things happen. So it's interesting that uh, extension of things, you know, like for example, if, let's say null hypothesis, you either say, yes, it is null, or you say, no, it isn't null. If you say, no, it isn't null, then you might have um, type one error. And then if 
the other way around, you may have time to it. We are talking about statistics. I don't know why stats. Sorry, I started it. I know. I'm sorry. Stats got in here somehow. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. No, no. The interesting part. I have to say this, and maybe we end this statistical part. One thing it's very clear for me is in null hypothesis, if it's true and you reject it, it's like you tell a pregnant woman, no, you're not pregnant. And then if you accept it and it's, it's not true, it's like you tell a man you're pregnant and it's type two error. So the funny thing is that always comes in my mind, the picture of a man that um, is testing and, and they say you're pregnant and it's type two error and a woman who is pregnant and say, no, you're not pregnant and it's type one error. So that that's interesting. The, the way, way they the showed us and make us, you know, really see it. Um, it, it was interesting, but as this is a sign aside the point. So no, no, it's, it's perfect time. Yeah, it's a perfect time for a break so we yeah. can get back on track before Daniel starts talking about even deeper statistical uh, topics. I'm just thinking if people are listening to us regarding all this statistics, they're they're thinking, what do they talk about? Oh, no, uh, from mindset, all of a sudden to type one error. Sorry, okay, Shen my Vandigan. fault. My fault. No, that's okay. Shenwandigana, as you say, Radio Bomb I guess. صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین به همراه دکتر الکساندراده و دکتر دانیل راکرز هستیم و امروز راجب طرز فکر صحبت میکنیم که به انگلیسی بهش مایندست میگیم و اگر که کسانی هستن در منزل دوست دارن به زبان انگلیسی برنامه روانشناسی رو گوش بدن ازشون دعوت کنین ما روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از ساعت دوازتهایی که بعد از ظهر در رادیو بامداد راجب تاپیک های مختلف روانشناسی موضوعات روز و غالبا صحبت ها ممکنه به نظر صحبت هایی عادی بیاد ولی همه این مطالب به نوعی به روانشناسی ارتباط داره و ما یک بریک کوتاه میگیریم برمیگردیم دنبال صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم
We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Alexandradi. Uh, we are um, this at the second part of our show. The first part, we talked about mindset, what it means. And um, also, we just went off regarding examples of different things about perceptions and um, hypotheses. Uh, now we are back to talk about mindset. So, Dr. Rockers, um, do you think uh, upbringing and what we learn in our life in childhood, because we just briefly pass from this part of the conversation, what do you think about this? Is this also part of our mindset, do you think, the upbringing, the learning part, the attitude of our parents, the way they perceive things, would that affect us also? Oh, it absolutely affects us. but. That really isn't the final answer on that. The final answer is it can affect us either way. Mm -hmm. So part of our job when we're developing or growing up is to separate from our parents and in some ways separate from our upbringing, although our upbringing is always part of us. Some people, when they separate, they begin to reject all of their upbringing. So whatever mindset they were raised with, they may adopt a totally opposite mindset. Other people, as they navigate that separation part, they may initially reject that mindset, or maybe that's not the part that they need to reject. So then they end up with the same mindset. I think a lot of times we have very much a lot of similarities to the mindset we were raised with. And like Alex, I believe was saying earlier that we have to begin to look at our own mindset. That's the metacognitive stuff. And when we begin to become aware of what is our own mindset, then we're in a position where we can make a decision. Is this the mindset that I want to have? Or do I want and, to change? Do I want to be And different? for our listeners, metacognitive is um, thinking of our thinking. So how we perceive is how we think about that. But I want to say, yes, you're right. Because I've heard from people who say, hey, I grew up with a very negative parents and everything was always down. Everything was depressive. And um, I realized that if I want to get into that type of thinking, um, I'm going to be depressed like them. And I changed it. But at what age or at what experience in life you get to that? Because I think it's hard when you haven't really experienced life, when you haven't been out there to experience how other people think, how they view the world, you just come up with that, unless you're fed up with what you've seen. But usually you follow until you go to college, you meet other people, you experience different type of life. Then that's the time you just say, this is the life I want to have, not the life I was experiencing. So this is really, I think, a a really important thing in life that um, we don't know how many people really have made that change or how many people have fallen into that environment and continued with that mindset. I'm reminded of, and definitely want to hear from Daniel because uh, one, I enjoy hearing Daniel talk about this, but also two, he, he knows, I believe a, a greater depth of this, but it reminds me of, we've talked about the hero's journey where there's something that sparks a person onto a path of change. And I think I, I tend to see that with a mindset, either they are choosing 
something different from what they've known. And that starts to maybe challenge their mindset or, or just offers them a different perspective or something happens in that previous mindset that they've had uh, no longer serves or functions in the way that they can make sense of the world. Do you think, I guess, so my question to you, Daniel, is do you think that aspect of kind of the hero's journey could be similar to how we become aware of our mindset and even how we start to change our mindset? I do. I think a lot of times what happens, as I conceptualize the hero's journey, a lot of times what happens is my mindset will get in my way of functioning so much so that I'm sent on this journey. So it has interfered or blocked, probably blocked. Joseph Campbell had a great statement in the um, hero with the book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And he said, in the end, I I thought I was going to give a great quote here. Now I have to paraphrase it. (laughs) He said, in the end, every problem that a person has is due to a lack of conscious awareness. Is every problem that we run into is because we don't have enough conscious awareness. And I think that's partly about our mindset. Our mindset can block our conscious awareness, meaning we think we know. And when we think we know, we're often closed. This is the idea of the book, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, where they're talking about the beginner's mind is open to many possibilities. The expert mind is often closed because they feel like they've learned all this stuff. And we often see that in the real world, right? These people who are way higher up in knowledge and all this stuff of all these things that they know, the experts. And if we don't know much about it, they may not have time to talk to us. Right? They already know everything or the questions we ask, or we can't make suggestions. So I think that's a tendency. Anyway, to come back to your question, which was, I think I've lost your question at this point. No, you, you answered it. Yeah, it was just in regards okay. to how the hero's journey maybe relates to the mindset, uh, to, to our mindset. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I think it's often a limiter. I think it's a limiter which kicks us off onto the hero's journey, which is a, a journey of transformation, of self-transformation. And in the end, that's what the hero's journey is all about. It's all about changing who we are and what's inside our mindset. Yeah, I always see it at the end of the journey. There's a broader mindset, maybe a more open mindset, of, you know, again, without using, you know, open or close, even just like a, a growth, more of a growth mindset than where that person maybe originally started. And it's important to also keep in mind that we're never done. It's not like suddenly, boom, I arrive and I have this open mindset and I don't have to do any work on that anymore. There's always more that we can learn or ways we can grow. Absolutely. Um, I think in one of our shows, we were talking um, on the similar topic. And um, I shared in one of the reading of Zen mindset was um, a student goes to see his, uh, the guru, the professor, and then when he's waiting for the professor to come, he comes with a cup of uh, with a, t- a cup of tea and then it starts putting it in the cup for the student and as he's looking at the student um, the tea is um, filling up the cup and then starts pouring and then gets to the tray and then the student says professor professor um, you are just pouring the tea and it's it's my cup is full. And it goes, that's the problem. Your cup is full. And I wanted to show you 
you don't have any opening for anything more. So why are you here? And then it was boom, right there. He realizes that if he wants to learn from the guru, he has to empty what he has. And then with that, he was showing that, you know, you're so full of yourself that you don't have any room for anything more to learn, you know. So that's that's an example of what you were saying, Daniel, that, um, you know, if you're closed and we think we are experts, we know everything, then we're not open to learn. In that way, the expert is not too different from the beginner who thinks they know everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes the beginners don't even know how full they are, you know, how full of themselves. And mm-hmm. even though they're beginners, but in their mindset, uh, and we have seen many young people with that mindset that they don't want to even listen. They feel like they know it more. Well, it's not just young people, too. I mean, I've had plenty of adults come through my practice where I could tell pretty quickly that, that I wasn't going to be able to offer them very much because they it's like they already knew everything. Yeah. Reminds me, there's a, I was going to say, there's a a rapper uh, by the name of E40, and he has this line that I really like. He says, you can learn from a baby. And it's Mm -hmm. that same idea that like, if you're open, you can see opportunities to learn from everything and everybody. And I think that's so true. And it's one of those things where it's kind of funny if you think about it too. Like I always say, like when you, when you look at a child, you know, there's just so much uh, uh, exploration, so much excitement so much you know they'll, they'll grab something and look at it with such curiosity whereas an adult it's like why do you give me this cup okay anyway you know it's like for them each new thing is worth exploring in that way and so that to have that mindset too of like are we really present and are we really focused are we really you know curious in that way i think it's, it's a, a good thing to remember because you know as we were kind of saying you know we can learn from somebody who's beginning at something that as an expert, you know, we've forgot about, or we've lost, or we've never thought about in that way. And so to be able to be open to that, each person brings something that we maybe don't because of those different mindsets, as well as, you know, the different level of experience too. Right. And then also, if you pay attention, children are full of questions and curiosity. They always ask questions. And Sometimes in some uh, teaching to be open to learning is be curious, ask questions and, um, and just keep thinking as a child, how you were when you were discovering the world, you were asking questions, but I guess, as an adult, we always uh, evaluate our questions and we are afraid sometimes to ask not to um, show that we don't know. And a lot of times, um, you know, as adults, we feel if we ask questions, we may um, have a perception from others that we are dumb, we don't know, but we never think positively to think that by our questions, you know, even though we may sound like we don't know and what does it mean. But then when you ask questions, you realize that sometimes the person you think knows doesn't know. And it's interesting because everybody is actually playing this game that they are acting like they know. Seriously, have you noticed that you ask a question 
And then you risk finally you say, what does that mean really? And then you realize the person sitting in front of you that you were afraid of asking question didn't even know that. So we all as adults sometimes have this mask that um, we want to show that we know. And then if you take that mask and be real and show that, you know, this is how much I know, but I, I'm really basic on this. What does it mean? How does it work? Um, why do we feel afraid of asking questions? I wonder, is it the world we are in and we have to always show that we know? Otherwise, people don't think of us as someone who's capable, who's able, you know, or he can handle this job. I don't know what is in our society that is such a competitive world that we always want to show that we know everything. It's a great question. Yeah, I just I was just thinking in regards to the apprehension often people have and dissenting from the mass or from the majority. And I think for a lot of people, it, it puts you in the spotlight, but then it also raises the question or the possibility that you're wrong. I was recently talking with a friend about in social psychology, there's a study and I forgot the name of the study, but there's a, a group of Confederates, uh, individuals who are part of the study, say 10 people. And the one person who isn't part of the study, they're the, the person who is the participant of the study. And what they do is on like this big poster board, they have all these lines and some of the lines are short and some of them are long. And for the first example, what they do is they'll point to the shortest line and they'll tell everybody, this is the shortest line, right? Everybody says, yeah, 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 that's the shortest line. And that's actually the shortest line. If you measured it, you'd see that's the shortest. And then as the study progresses, they actually point to another line that's actually not the shortest line. It's maybe shorter than the other ones, but it's not the shortest by any means. And so people will, the the person leading the uh, experiment will say this is the shortest line right and everybody else will say yes and then and i always love the video of this study they'll show the one person who's the participant kind of looking around a little bit kind of being like i don't think that's it you know that's the kind of look they have in their eye almost but everybody's like yep that's it that's the shortest one that's it and so you'll find a, a majority of the time people will just agree people will just say yeah everybody everybody else said yeah maybe 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 I was wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm not seeing it right. All these people can't be wrong. It must be me who's wrong. And to say, mm -hmm. wait, hey, hold on. No, I don't think that's the shortest one. Not only would we have to kind of challenge the group, but we'd have to dissent and expose ourselves as, you know, this is what I believe, or this is what I see. And mm -hmm. it's amazing how even in something so small and, and just kind of, you know, something that's not a huge investment to say this line is shorter than another line is difficult. Imagine when it comes to something that we feel is important or something related to our job or a career, something that feels like it has more weight to it. The, the, the risk is higher, I think, in those situations. So people will refrain even more. Absolutely. I completely remember this study. I can't remember the name <laughs> that you grew. Is it Ash? Solomon Ash. Ah, yes. And in the group, you always go by the consensus and sometimes you're a, you have a different opinion, but you think you're wrong and you go by the group consensus. Um, that's so interesting and so true that 
what is it that in the group we are afraid to show differently than what everybody else thinks? You know, it's, I think it, um, it yeah. can be, I think there are more than just one explanation. Like it's, I don't think it's just fear that mm. I might be wrong. Sometimes you can get to the place where somebody doesn't want to jack with it. I don't want to. I just want to get done and I don't want to get in a hassle here and I have to explain myself. I just want to like get on through and I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe they know something. I don't know, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. I just go home and. That is true. Maybe they know, they know more than I do because uh, five people out of 10 said this, um, you're right. And then maybe you don't have, you know it's not right, but you don't have a good explanation. I mean, you're right. There's so many other ways that uh, that might interfere with uh, just showing up differently. I think um, it's true. I mean, I'm a listener. I feel like I'm a listener, and that's what I do mostly. And a lot of time, and it's annoying to me if I'm telling a story and somebody cuts in with a bunch of questions before I'm done. Wait, Daniel, real quick. I was going to ask you. uh, (laughs) That's exactly what I'm talking about. But I find with my clients, if I just listen long enough, pretty much everything that I had questions about does show up and my questions get answered. And I think that sometimes in those experiments, like the line experiment, I could imagine myself being in there thinking, mm, okay, maybe there was some part of the directions I missed, whatever. I didn't really have a big investment in whether I get this line answer right or not. I don't really want to put forth the effort to stand out here and endure whatever else has to come from it. Yeah, whatever. Line C. Yeah. What everybody else said. Let's keep going. <laughs> and you learn that by experience. Uh, I personally remember um, when I was doing a project uh, for some reason, you know, I guess at that time, it wasn't even in my mind that in the group, you need someone who goes the opposite direction and asks questions and is devil advocate. I, at the beginning, I was so bothered by this person constantly bringing negatives, bringing these questions. And I was just thinking, he probably is against me. He probably doesn't like this project. Why is he here? I was blaming myself. Why did I pick this person to be in this group? And I was bothered by that. And every time we had a meeting about this project, you know, we have moved forward. And then he goes, and now we're going to show the end of the project. This is the plan. And he often brought something to the uh, group that was sort of negative. And I always thought he's challenging me. And then there was another experienced person who also was extremely nice and kind. And he pulled me outside of the group one day and he says, I want to talk to you, Saide. Don't you think we need... Tom in this group. And I said, um, what did you pick? He goes, I feel like you're bothered. You always feel like he's negative. He's against you. I want to say how important it is to have him in the group because you always need someone who thinks opposite of you. You're just moving forward thinking you can do all of this. And then he stops and he says something he really taught me an excellent lesson and I never forget. And I always remember, always appreciate that 
he actually, it was beginning of my career and I was not experienced as he was. And then I started thinking completely differently whenever we went back to that meeting. And I really liked that person yeah, gradually. And when got to know him, got to realize that he, everything he said, it was for the good of the group to, hey, stop. Let's think of that. What if this happens? Because sometimes you don't want to hear anything that you feel it's blocking your way. But it wasn't blocking. It was just be open to that. We need to have another plan if this happens. We need to have another plan. I always appreciate that. And from that point on, I was always looking at different opinions and wanting these people in the group. Because, you know, sometimes you don't even think that things may go wrong. You may have all these great ideas. You want to move forward. But what is a good thing to have someone who also sees other things? Maybe you have some blind sides that you don't see other parts. We got to the second break. Um, we want to give a short break, but I want to say some um, words in Farsi. Shermanigan Aziz Radio Bamdad. اگه صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنویم ما روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از ساعت دوازده تا یک بعد از ظهر به زبان انگلیسی در مورد مطالب روانشناسی با دکتر راکرز و دکتر اندراده صحبت میکنیم من دکتر سعیده ملک افسلی هستم و میخوام ازتون خواهش کنم که پادکست های ما رو هم سرچ کنین در آیتون در سپاریفای ما تا کنون بیش از 655-156 پادکست داریم و میتونید در ساعتهای مناسب به برنامه ما توجه کنید. برمیگردیم در قسمت پایانی برنامه با شما هستیم. Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, if you just turn on your radio and you're listening to us, we began talking about mindset. And as usual, we go off different directions, but it's all about uh, life issues. We talked about metacognition, thinking about our thinking. We talked about exploring the world by being curious. We talked about accepting others' um, opinion and other ways of looking at um, things. So we are back and we continue our conversation um, and we want to shift it back to mindset. I think uh, the part of the reason why I, I brought up this topic today, or one of the reasons why we're talking about this is what happens when we're having to shift our mindset 
first, I think, in recognizing and defining mindset being very helpful, but then saying, okay, how do we start to shift that? I, I find a lot of times it tends to be a gradual process. It's one that we kind of edge towards change gradually in a way that usually isn't very comfortable. We're faced with some new information or some new experience that maybe is counter to our previous mindset. And then we have a choice. We have a choice to say, do I kind of you know, dig my heels in? Do I, I plant myself firmer in my, my mindset and my beliefs and my attitudes? Or do I start to open up and say, you know what, maybe, maybe I don't know all aspects of this, or maybe I'm not seeing it fully in that way, or maybe there are other ways to see that that can allow us to start to reflect on, do I maybe need to change my mindset? How do I expand on that? Uh, I guess the question that comes to mind for the two of you is, is that something you see in regards to, you know, shifting our mindset or changing our mindset being one easy as well as, is it something that is very, a very, very stark contrast? Is it something that one day, this is my mindset. And the next day, my mindset can be completely different. What's your, your take or your experience on changing mindset, mindset or shifting our mindset? I think um, it needs some progression to get to a point that you get to a place that you're open to other questions, other perceptions. And um, it just doesn't happen overnight. I, I think it needs a lot of training. And the fact that uh, you experience different things in life, you maybe some harsh, some kind, some, um, you know, difficult, but you have to go through certain steps to get to this point that, hey, that doesn't mean that I know and, and the way I think is right. Was, I think especially when you see different cultures, when you are open to diversity, it just opens your mind that there's not one way um, to look at things. And in answer your question, I, I think it takes a lot of practices. It takes a lot of training yourself that, and, and sometimes it comes back and you may react, but then immediately, if you're at this at a place that you want to work on this, then immediately you may sort of back up and say, oh, you know, I have to stop here. I have to listen. I have to just see what truly this person um, means. So I think from my perspective, it needs a lot of working on yourself. I think that it requires a change deep kind of deeper inside than just the standard conscious mind. Mm -hmm. And in order to change that at a deeper level, generally it does require a lot of time. Now I have seen instances where it does get changed all at one time. Mm. These are not, this is not the normal circumstance. These are what I'm thinking of is a lot of trauma initiated things. So for some people I've worked with that might have a traumatic limb amputation where suddenly they've lost a, a portion of their body in an industrial accident, their mindset often changes radically in the moment or moments in which that accident happened. And they, it changes radically, at least what I've seen a lot of times, 
and generally into a much more cautious and fearful place. So I think their mindset does change. Probably there are way, other positive ways that mindset can change in a moment. I am not really as familiar with those. So I think that in general, like an, maybe like an epiphany or something like that. Sometimes right. people, that's maybe one way a person's mind can suddenly change. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. An epiphany, a sudden realization. We've read accounts of that. Sometimes we probably have seen that or a spiritual awakening too. Yeah. That would count as those things. But I think for the most of the rest of us, the majority percentage, we have to work at it and we have to work at it repeatedly. And we have to really remind ourselves a lot and really work at it. So I don't think it is a, a right away thing. Those are when they go to the positive, those are great. Those are wonderful. But I don't think we can just count on those to change our mindset. We have to yeah. be interested. We have to want to know. Mm-hmm. We have to want to know. How can I know what my mindset is? Mm-hmm. It's a question I have for you guys. How can I know? How do I know? I think Good it's question. not until I think it's not until we counter something different or experience something in that that varies from our normal experience or a normal way of seeing the world. And then we're we're faced with that. Wait, this is this is different than what I know or what I believe. And so I, I don't know if it's something that typically gets acknowledged just in of itself. It's typically something because we're encountering something. There's something different. There's a different view, a different approach. I think it's and we and and the example that comes to mind is is we're living our life within our family in our at a young age or in our family home. You know, some of the most startling or stark kind of contrasts that we have are when we're young and we we meet new people. Where you know, in elementary school, it's like wait, like there's all these people all these different walks of life and all these different experiences. And it just seems like there's so much more than what we knew of the world in that way. And the world seems like to to be just bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think when we do that, even like traveling, that's one place where we realize like, whoa, like this is not how everybody does things. Grocery stores are named different in this part of the country than where I live. It's like, oh, wow. Like I didn't even know that. I didn't realize that where it's not that, you know, we had no idea that things were maybe different in different parts of the world, but to, to really see that, to experience it, I think starts to kind of highlight that, that difference. It's culture. I mean, that's what our program is about, right? Psychology and culture mindset probably is a lot of culture in it. Yes. That supermarket example is so good, Alex, because it's so (laughs) common, you know, you go to another part of the country and you're like, Hey, wait, where's Kroger? Yeah. Wait, where's Safeway? What? Mm-hmm. Safeway? You, you got all these weird names for these yeah. stores. That's weird. And that's. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say that, Daniel, because I'm always amazed by that. Like, I'm always like, why? Why do they call it that? It's so weird. Like, it's so different. It reminds me, quick example Hellman's uh, mayonnaise. If, if you ever look at Hellman's mayonnaise, well, it, actually, here it's called Best Foods in California, but in Illinois, it's called Hellman's. And if you look at the back of the label, it says, oh, it's also known as best foods. And I remember when I seen that, I was like, this is amazing. Look, look, it it looks the same exact label, but it's a different name. Like I thought I was losing my mind almost. And so it's like even products and and grocery stores. It's like, wait, no, no, that is that. And so uh, to me, it's always fascinating because it was like, 
yeah, I don't, I don't care about mayonnaise, but it's like one of those things where it's like, that's, you know, so familiar yet so different. And just that, that contrast that it kind of brings up for you. It's a little disorienting in a way. It can be fun if we have a, a curiosity about that. Like, wow, what's that? I know like traveling overseas for myself, I love going into grocery stores. And I love shopping where people, local people shop instead of just tourist places. So I can get a sense or a feel of well, what that, what's that like? And well, what's this product and what's that? And how do, how can I buy something here? How does all that work? But I think it can also be shocking and jarring. And that's that culture shock if we're not prepared for it. So, Ida, did you, do you remember having like culture shock when you moved to the U.S.? To here? Um, you know, the time I moved here, uh, it was very westernized uh, back home. And um, it wasn't a huge shock, but also different, you know. Uh, but the interesting thing that, um, Alex, you were talking about naming things. It was interesting because I was uh, watching a clip, which was very interesting, that how Japanese name their products. And it was very interesting that the car's name, sometimes they research the history of mankind and they go through some of the um, progression of humanity, of different cultures. And sometimes they research deeply to say what it means to, for example, when they're naming a car. And, and uh, with such a um, perfect attention to what it means when they're naming a product. It was very interesting. And they were naming several products that they had that wasn't just from their own culture. It was from even other cultures and they go back to the history of mankind sometimes. That was very interesting that how the meaning of naming a product for them is important. It reminds me of the, uh, the Chevy Nova I remember the history of that, of that not being a big seller in uh, Latin countries because Nova means like no go. And so it's like, you're not going to buy a car that is called a, a no go car. So yeah, I, I think that is something that can be important in that way. Hmm. All right. So we got to the end of our program. And as usual, we want to each say a statement. And remember, our beginning conversation was about mindset. So <laughs> to bring you back to the ending part, what you want to say about mindset. Um, so we start with Dr. Rockers, because I think you're thinking hard. <laughs> I, well, I have an answer for my question. How do I know what my mindset is? Oh. <laughs> my recommendation is to ask some of your friends what they think your mindset is. And not friends who, if you ask as an open-ended question, then the, I think they will get you, get you further than rather than instead of saying, do you think I have an open mindset or do you think I have a fixed mindset? I don't think those are as productive. I think it's just, well, what do you, what do you, how would you describe my mindset? Yeah. Yeah. 
Good question. Too. I have to ask you guys about my mindset. So far. <laughs> do you want to do that on the air here? Well, luckily we're almost out of time. Uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> I don't. No, I don't. I don't. Okay. All right. I don't have that much courage yet. Maybe one day okay. we do. <laughs> my, my my advice to listeners would be kind of like the story that you shared, Saide, in regards to you know, when we, we encounter somebody and we think they have a negative mindset or they're being, you know, confrontational or problematic, ask, you know, maybe what is their mindset? You know, what is their way of seeing and understanding the world? Because I think it's so easy to just cast somebody as they're annoying or frustrating or they're dumb and, and versus being able to step back and say, what must their mindset be? And can we see them and maybe even ourselves in a little different way than just kind of conforming to that initial thought or, or belief of, you know, the things we don't like about their mindset. What about you, Saide? What would you uh, encourage listeners to reflect I on? I want to say, based on that story again, I want to say, um, be off guard. Because when we are on guard, our guards are on and we don't want to, we already have some perception of people. But when we have our guards off, then we are in a different mindset and situation because then we are open to other people's opinion. We want to listen to them. I know sometimes we have specific um, background or history from some people and our guard goes on immediately, but try to practice to take your guards off and see it's so much more pleasant when you, we do that. And we realize that sometimes people that we thought we don't like, but then when you have this mindset, you're going to a place that you know there might be some situations where it's not going to be all pleasant, but just tell yourself, I'm going to go with my guards off, see what happens. And I have experienced this and often it's very pleasant because then even if you hear something, you're not taking it as bad because then you have that mindset that I'm going to be ready to hear anything that is not the same as my mindset or the way I think. So with that, I want to wish all our listeners a wonderful Saturday. We come back tomorrow to have another conversation. Have a wonderful evening. Oh, 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 oh,
برود سر بر نگردد سر شنی را 
مرغ در باور نوشت قصه ها را به سیدیگر نوشت از کجاییم باور آمد که گفت گر روید سر بر نگردد سر رادیو بامداد صدای ما و شما با زبانی آشنا